Well, let's get into the Word of God. And if you want to follow this in your Bible, turn with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter 61. You'll find message notes on the website as well as on the app. Just click on the media button and bring up the weekly notes. If you're making your own notes, then the title is The Divine Exchange. And we're going to read a couple of verses from Isaiah 61. These are incredibly well-known verses of Scripture. And I believe that we're going to bring great comfort and encouragement to our hearts through these verses this week. Isaiah 61, the second part of verse 2, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Wonderful, encouraging scripture. It's actually a song, uh, as are most of the prophetic words in the book of Isaiah. He wrote them out as songs. And, and these particular verses have been made into lots and lots of songs over the years that we've enjoyed singing in church. Let me give you a very brief history lesson before we get into the main part of these verses. Isaiah was actually written by two men. The first of them is the prophet Isaiah, and then there's another one, we don't really know his name. He's often referred to as second Isaiah or deutero Isaiah. The first Isaiah, uh, he lived in the eighth century. He started his ministry, prophetic ministry, around the 740s BC, and uh, he wrote uh, chapters 1 through to 39 of the book of Isaiah. In 698, he was sawn in half uh, by Manasseh, the evil king. That's how he put him to death because he didn't like his prophecies. And so the first Isaiah died well before the people of Judah were taken into captivity in Babylon. Fast forward then to about 150 years later, this second guy who's known as Deutero or second Isaiah, he penned the prophecies in chapters 40 through to 66. And this is after the Jews had returned from captivity in Babylon. Uh, this is around 538 BC. And uh, he's bringing great encouragement to these refugees who have returned now from Babylon back home to Jerusalem. And he's encouraging them. If you look at these verses, we'll put them on the screen for you. Isaiah 40 verses one and two. Comfort, comfort my people says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for. So the sin that led the people into captivity had been paid for. Their hard service in Babylonian captivity is now over. They're brought back to Jerusalem and now there's a good prophetic word of comfort. So the whole book of Isaiah that we have today, that was compiled by Hebrew theologians around 200 BC. And they put both of these guys' prophecies together and uh, called the whole book Isaiah. Our text is located in the second part of Isaiah. The people are back in Jerusalem. They're rebuilding the city and the wall. They're reestablishing themselves in the nation of Israel. And it's a hard slog. The people are despondent at the sad picture of Jerusalem and they could do with some encouragement and they find it and we find it too in chapter 61 of Isaiah. The prophet's encouragement 
to a discouraged people. And can I encourage you to read the whole chapter? It's only about 11 verses, uh, Isaiah 61. Read the whole thing this week. Just look at these two verses though, in four and five of that chapter, it says they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. In other words, you don't have to do this on your own. And have you ever had that experience, you know, you've got this massive task to do and it's just you or maybe one other person. And then these other people pitch in and say, I, we hear that you might need a hand with this. And the feeling that you get um, as many hands make light work, that's what the prophet is communicating here. The prophecy also looks forward to the Messiah. We read in verse 11 and verse 8, make an everlasting covenant with them. And then he makes an everlasting covenant with all nations, not just the nation of Israel, but, but the nations of the Gentiles as well. If we uh, fast forward 560 years later, Jesus actually reads the first two verses of this chapter as he was standing in the synagogue on the uh, Sabbath day. He's handed that scroll and he opens it up to what we know as Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor and delivery of captives and so on and so forth. And then, of course, we fast track to the present day over two and a half millennia later and we're reading those same words and we too are finding encouragement in these words in our time of crisis. And so let's have a look at this divine exchange. We're going to look at three aspects of this divine exchange. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The word beauty here is, is an interesting word. It's the Hebrew word Pierre, um, P apostrophe E-R, Pierre. It sounds like a French name, Pierre. I'm going to say I did French for eight years and I can still only speak about half a dozen phrases. You know, comment allez-vous? You would say très bon. And I know oui, oui, monsieur. I always want to say manure for some reason. And the only other French I know is the Holy Grail and the French knight, you know. So I blow my nose at you and all of that kind of stuff. But Pierre sounds kind of French. Uh, but it's a Hebrew word that you will never, ever forget now. And uh, we translate this uh, beauty uh, or we translate it as beauty, beauty instead of ashes, but the word literally means a turban or a garland. It's, um, it's talked about a little bit later in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. It says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And so the men, the bridegrooms in those days, they would put on either a garland of, of flowers on their head or they would put on a turban. And it was a sign of adornment. It was a sign of joy. It was a sign of celebration and of gladness. And so what the Bible is saying here is, I'm going to give you adornment instead of ashes. What a wonderful picture this is. Ashes in scripture, by the way, are a sign of sorrow. 
the people of Israel, when they were sorry for their sin, when they were repenting, when they were mourning something, something sad, someone had died or something like that, they would put on sackcloth and they would sit in ashes. I want you to think about that. Have you ever felt the cloth that sacks are made of? It's, it's coarse, it's scratchy, it's itchy. Can you imagine making a garment out of sackcloth? Like you, you know, they would literally tear their own garments and then they would put sackcloth around themselves and it was not comfortable. It was, it was hard and scratchy and, and unpleasant. So they would wear sackcloth and then they'd go and sit themselves in a pile of ashes. And if they wanted to show their sorrow, they would throw the ashes up into the air and they'd take ashes and, and, and smear them across their face. And so that was to be a picture of sadness and grief and sorrow. And here the Bible says, I will give you beauty instead of that. I'll give you something to put on your head as a sign of celebration instead of ashes. Isn't that a wonderful picture of a divine exchange to all who mourn, for those who grieve? Are you mourning at the moment something? Are you grieving some loss at this particular time? I know many of us are in some shape or form. And then this divine exchange to bestow on those people, the people who are mourning, the people that are grieving, a crown of beauty, a turban, a garland of beauty instead of ashes. When Christy and I first got married, we, uh, we wanted to enjoy a couple of years as uh, a married couple, but then we decided, you know, we really would love to have kids, we want to be parents. And uh, I've got to say, you know, we, we tried for quite a long time uh, to conceive our first child. I won't go into detail because no, no, no one wants to think that they are the product of their parents having sex, right? I mean, it's, it's yucky. Anytime we talk about that with our kids, they're like, ah, oh, we don't want to hear about this. So anyway, I'll just suffice to say it took quite a while. And uh, then one Sunday night, uh, I was on the radio back in those days on 3MP and I used to do a talk show every Sunday night called Rob Buckingham and Friends. And uh, I would interview people, some of them Christians, some of them are not. My, my kind of scope back in those days was talking to people who were making the world a better place. And we had an off-air counselling service called the Care Line. People could ring in, they could get prayer, they get referred to a counselling agency or to a church. And so lots of people would ring in. They were volunteers. Many of them were part of Bayside Church. And uh, I had a receptionist as well also who was a volunteer. And uh, she's still part of our Frankston campus and uh, hi to Carol. And so this particular Sunday night, about 10 o'clock, the phone goes in the studio and it's Carol, my receptionist, and she said, Rob Christie's at the front uh, reception. And I thought it was a bit strange. And I've got to admit, my first kind of feeling was I was a bit ticked because we were going on holiday the next day. We were flying out early in the morning and Christy was supposed to be home packing for us to go on holiday. And I'm like, what on earth does Christy want? And so I said, oh, okay, Carol, get her to walk down. And as Christy was walking down, I decided to walk up toward her. And at this particular time in our sales department, they were offering uh, some incentive to our advertisers. And the the incentive was a trip to uh, Fiji. And so they had all of these lays, you know, like they're, they're normally made of flowers. They have them in Hawaii as well. When you go to Fiji or Hawaii, they'll put these lays over, over your neck. And it's a sign of welcome and a sign of celebration. And so we had all of these paper lays laying around. 
And Christy had picked one up and when she walked up to me, she put it over my head and she said, I bought you some flowers. Now, remember, I was already a bit ticked and I said, no, you didn't. You got that from the sales department. And she said, well, come on, give me a break. It's the best I could do for the father-to-be. For the father-to-be. And those words kind of sunk in. I was like, she was expecting our first child. I was no longer miffed, no longer ticked. I was so happy. We gave each other a big hug. We celebrated. And then I, I was, the 10 o'clock news was on. I had to go and, you know, interview the next person. And so Christy went off home and she packed. And, and I, I, I really had trouble concentrating on my guests. The next guest, by the way, that I had to interview, the subject was how to deal with troubled teenagers. Can you imagine? And I'm just kind of sitting there going... Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm. But I was completely glassed over. All I could think of was, I'm going to be a daddy. I was so excited. And so the best that she could find, of course, was that garland. And, uh, and that's a beautiful picture of that celebration. We, we were sorrowful because it was taking so long um, for us to fall pregnant, and yet we finally did. And uh, our ashes were turned to joy um, and to beauty at that time. God gave us beauty instead of ashes. The second part of the divine exchange is the oil of joy instead of mourning. Uh, Decades in captivity, these people, decades in captivity, uh, somewhere between 50 and 70 years as refugees in a foreign land. And finally, a small percentage of them start to come home and they're excited about coming home, but they come home to a ruined city to a ruined nation and they're standing there looking at the ruins and feeling overwhelmed by this task. I've been doing some reading lately about the return of the Syrian refugees. Of course, the civil war has been going on in Syria uh, for many years and uh, many of those people uh, have either become internally displaced within Syria or they fled to other nations, most of them to the nations Uh, around about Syria, like the Jordan, for example, and Lebanon. But a small percentage of the Syrian people that were displaced have started to go back home again, only to find that poverty is rife, corruption is rife. Can you imagine what it must be like to walk back into your city? Imagine if that was Melbourne. Imagine if that was Bayside, Melbourne. And we're we're walking back and we're, we're trying to find our house and we're walking down the street and there's so much wreckage and rubble everywhere and Is my house still going to be standing or is it going to be ruined? And all of the emotion that must be flooding through those precious people as they go back and try and pick up where they left off life. That's what it was like for these Jewish refugees returning home. And their hearts were were mourning. They were missing their familiarity. Remember, many of these people were born in the city of Babylon where they were held captive apart from the language and some of the culture of the Hebrews that was passed on from parents to children through a couple of generations. Apart from that, these people would have known the local language. Some of them would have spoken in the local dialect of the Babylonians. That was the culture that they were aware of, but they'd heard about Jerusalem. They'd heard about Israel. They were excited about going back home to where they were from, only to find that they were actually feeling homesick. They, they missed the familiarity of what they had back in the Assyrian Empire. Their hope was turned to hopelessness 
And then they were staggering, as I said earlier, at the enormity of the task. At that point, enter the encouraging word of God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them the oil of joy instead of mourning. That divine exchange, swapping out one for the other. A few weeks ago, when we were still able to meet together, I taught a series called Becoming Like Jesus. And you might even want to revisit that series and uh, particularly the message, this kind of joy. And we talked about this oil of joy that comes upon our lives and that we need to practice in everyday life, even through the times of difficulty, that we do what James talked about in James 1, uh, count it all joy when you go through various trials and struggles because that joy gives us strength, it makes our prayers effective, it enlarges our character and it increases our health. They're all things that we need at this time because some of the stuff that we're facing we, we, can, we face just like the people of Israel uh, faced as well. We've lost some familiarity. Much of our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. Uh, for some people, their hope has turned to hopelessness. And for some, they're staggering at the enormity of the task, rebuilding businesses, all sorts of things like that going on at this particular point in time. If you find yourself uh, with those feelings at this time, can I encourage you to practice this divine exchange, the oil of joy instead of mourning? And then finally, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The word garment here means a wrap or a shawl. In the Hebrew, it talks about a loose sleeveless cloak. And the opposite of that is despair. The word despair there can be translated as fainting or heaviness. And really what the author is doing here is contrasting two different kinds of clothing, especially at this particular time while we're live streaming. You don't really have to get dressed up. I mean, some of you don't get dressed at all, I know. You've told me you stay in your jammies and your slippers and your dressing gown, and that's absolutely fine. Others, you might be just wearing, you know, jeans or tracky dacks or, you know, a nice comfortable jumper and you're enjoying those comfy clothes. You feel snug, especially in the colder weather like this. You feel when it's a bit wet outside and a bit chilly, you feel snug and warm uh, when you're wearing those clothes. And this is talking here in Isaiah about comfortable versus uncomfortable clothes. You ever been in a situation where you're wearing an uncomfortable article of clothing? Maybe it's a bit too tight. Maybe it's a bit scratchy. Maybe it's like the sackcloth that I described earlier in this message. It's kind of just not working for you. It's itchy and scratchy. Uh, Christy had an experience like that a few years ago. I was doing a wedding and myself and Christy and the girls were invited to the wedding and uh, Christy had shingles. Now, at this particular point of time, I hadn't had shingles. So I didn't know how horrible it was. And Christy told me she had shingles. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a shame. You know, but hey, we're going to a wedding. Um, really, you know, not one of the high points of, of, of my husbandly. And uh, so she got dressed and we went to this wedding. But her wedding dress was a little bit tight. And of course, it was rubbing on the shingles. 
A few years later, I got the shingles and I suddenly had great empathy for what she endured on this particular day, um, not being able to stand, even a seatbelt going across my chest. It was so painful and so uncomfortable. And so I remember when we got home and Christy was finally able to take this article of clothing off and put on something loose and soft and comfortable. And that's what this divine exchange is like. The garment of praise isn't tight, it's not heavy and it's not scratchy. When you're feeling faint and when you're feeling desperate, start to express your praise out loud and you will experience a divine exchange. In Psalm 147 verse one, it says, how good to sing praises to our God, how delightful and how fitting. Uh, One translation of that says, praise looks good on you. It suits you. It's lovely, isn't it? When you get complimented for something that you're wearing. Hey, you know, that jacket looks really nice on you. That dress really suits you. Praise looks good on you. It looks good. It's like the two priests that decided to go on holiday to Hawaii together. And uh, they got off the plane and they were heading to the hotel and they thought, we don't want to be recognised as priests while we're on holiday. And so they decided to take a detour. They went shopping, they bought some Hawaiian shirts and shorts and some sunglasses and then they headed down to the beach and they're sitting there enjoying the warmth and the sunshine and this beautiful uh, blonde uh, lady was walking up. She was just wearing a bikini and both of the priests kind of noticed her and, um, and as she walked past, she said, Hello, Father. Hello, Father. Like this. The priests were gobsmacked. They thought, my goodness, what is it about us where she knows that we're priests? And so they decided to go shopping again. They bought louder Hawaiian shirts. They bought hats. Uh, They bought other items of clothing to try and go incognito. Next day, went back to the beach. Same blonde woman in a bikini walking up. Hello, Father. Hello, Father. Like this. And, And one of the priests stopped the woman look, we're not ashamed of being priests, but, but how do you know uh, who we are? And, and, and she turned to them and she said, well, to be sure, Father, and to, and, and to other Father, this is Sister Kathleen. And so there you go. It looked good on her. I don't know about the Hawaiian shirts, but have you ever been complimented for something that looks good on you? Praise looks good on you. And so if you find yourself in a place of despair or a place of heaviness, Experience the divine exchange and put on the garment of praise. Begin to praise God for who he is, for his attributes. Things like the fact that he's merciful and loving and kind and good and gracious and long-suffering and and tender-hearted and compassionate. Start to praise God for what he does, all of his actions that he saves and heals and provides and blesses and forgives. Praise God for what he's going to do. Praise and faith working together for all of his promises. We don't really know how many promises there are in the Bible. Somewhere between 5,000 and 7,000. The Apostle Paul didn't know. Uh, He said for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. And then praise God for what we have. All of the gifts that God has given to us, our life and breath, our salvation, our health, our strength, our gifts and abilities, Food, friends, family, our next breath that we count it all joy. Can I encourage you to enjoy the divine exchange this week? To enjoy beauty instead of ashes, 
the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You'll find all of these things uh, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, can I encourage you to make a decision today to follow Jesus? If you'd like to do that, if you'd like to know more about that, we would love to connect with you, send you some information and a Bible. You can email us, connect at baysidechurch.com.au. If you want to be a part of one of our online connect groups, uh, you can contact us as well. And if you need any pastoral care or prayer, please do send us an email, connect at baysidechurch.com.au. On your message notes, you'll find some further study uh, and discussion questions as well. You can either do those on your own during the week um, or you can do those in your online connect groups this week as well.